0: Hey guys, what's up? How's it going? Welcome to the Naeem Fazl Podcast. This is Vinny speaking, your host here. And if you're wondering, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, where's Naeem Fazl? Well, I'm sitting here with Kristen Mockler-Young and we are doing the Kristen Young Takeover. What's up, Kristen? How are you?
1: I'm great. Yes. Naeem Fazl was so gracious to let me take over this season of the podcast. And it's been really super fun to have these conversations.
0: Yeah, it's been great. And I'm glad that you brought me along uh, for the ride. You need, we just kicked Naeem to the curb for this season, not just, <laughs> not both of us. So uh, it's Pretty been much. a lot of fun. Yeah. And I know you're really excited about, um, so this is what you're doing with the takeover. We're calling it the Turning the Gem Sessions. What? Where did that name come from? What? It, what's your goal with that?
1: Yeah. So basically I have a blog called turning the gem and the idea of turning the gem is actually an old rabbinical term, which basically means we look at scripture and just turn it a little bit and look at it from a different perspective. And so that's kind of been my hope in these conversations that maybe we're talking about things and concepts that people have talked about or heard of before, but we're going to look at them in a little bit of a new way and see if we can kind of see God moving in different ways in in familiar concepts.
0: Awesome. And so, like I said, if this is your first time tuning in, definitely go check out the rest of the season that's already been posted after this episode and the whole log of the Naeem Puzzle podcast leading up to this season. It's been really great. We just finished a season, uh, you know, we just finished a season called Dark Room Sessions, which Mm -hmm. was amazing. So it's incredible content. Go check it out. Uh, But without further ado, I know you're super excited for your guest today.
1: I am stoked. I am stoked. I have Joe Saxon on the podcast today, <laughs> and she is somebody that I have loved from afar for a very, very long time. So actually, <laughs> I turned the gem on our conversation a little bit because I way went off script of the questions I sent her, and we had a little personal therapy moment there. <laughs> for a but I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it in and let you guys kind of take a peek behind the scenes
0: as well. Oh, yeah. I, I do the editing. So we're leaving it in, guys. So enjoy. <laughs> awesome.
1: All right, friends, welcome back to the Naeem Fazl podcast. We actually have an old friend, not old, longtime friend of Na'im's with us today. And it is Joe Saxton. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's so great to have you with us today. Um, mm-hmm. What's funny is I read your books. Um, before I knew that you and Naim were friends, but where I really fell in love with you was on Instagram. You've been doing a lot of Instagram lives. Uh, was that a was that a COVID quarantine thing, or were you doing them before that?
2: No, it was very much a COVID quarantine thing. I think it was. Um, yeah, I I avoided them like the plague until that until that until that actually happened. But I think it was a combination of. The, a book had just come out, and everything—the the planned tour and all these things had had all died a death. Squash, um, yeah. And just this way of how do you how do you st- kind of stay true to what you feel your calling is, even if all the vehicles have changed? And how do you communicate with people and be there for people in that, even though the ways you used to do that no longer exist? And so in v- it was very much an experiment um, that kind of hung out for a while. So yeah, it was good.
1: Yeah. Well, I loved it. I loved just kind of jumping on and listening to you, obviously, but then also just seeing how real you are. I know, you know, you came on with Pastor Nine when he was doing like prayer nights and you were like, hang on, I'm just propping up my ring light. Let me get some books here. (laughs) and I jumped onto one, I think you had on a a new lipstick. It was like a navy blue lipstick. And I was like, look at my girl. This is so great.
2: (laughs) love that lipstick so much. And then we wore masks. So I kind of didn't wear it very much after that. But yes, it's my fave. It's one of my faves, that one.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, tell us about, um, if any of our listeners don't know you yet, tell us about yourself.
2: Yeah, I am a Nigerian and a Brit. Um, So I was, my parents, are Nigerian immigrants, um, moved from Nigeria to England in the sixties, very large Nigerian population in England. Um, and uh, I was born in London in the seventies, um, which makes me, what am I now? 47. Yes, that's okay. right. Um, <laughs> married two kids, two teenage girls, um, have lived in the States about 17 years. Um, and like many of your listeners, have worn a number of hats in my time in terms of the things that we do. Um, so. Um, I'm an author, have written a number of books, host a pod, a leadership post podcast, have been a pastor in the past, um, but now spend my, my main focus is on coaching leaders. So doing lots of leadership coaching, specifically in this chapter of my life with women.
1: Would you say that's your favorite part of like the writing and speaking and everything that the coaching is your favorite part? Yeah, it is actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. The writing is the hardest and okay. I often... I, like I, I'm in awe of my writer friends who are like these have these ideas they steal away to cabins or whatever and are writing. and I'm like that is not my life at all. I am the <laughs> most writer ever. I like sit down, I can only listen to three songs otherwise and they have to be on repeat the whole time. Otherwise I will be dancing or I will, or I will find myself with a snack or I'm just not that kind of, I don't do it very well. Um, and so I have to write in response to something. Um, so it feels like a conversation Yeah, <laughs> and that, so yeah, writing is the hardest for me, but coaching I love because I love coming alongside people and I, and I love seeing the exponential growth and development and the unlocking of somebody that happens when when they just have someone walk alongside them for a while.
1: Yeah, I think that's apparent in anybody that kind of follows along with you and what you're doing because you very much um, seem to set off this domino effect where you show up as yourself and then you give other permission, other people permission to then show up as themselves. And it's, it's just like you can kind of see then other women and other people then showing up and having permission to live their lives fully. And I feel like we're gonna just, you know, take over the world and change the world the way people see themselves just by what we do making these small changes and the way that we can live into who we were created to be.
2: I hope so. That'd be wonderful. That'd be
1: wonderful. Yeah. So have you always, have you always loved women like this?
2: No, no. (laughs) Me neither. Me neither. I was really hoping you would say that actually. Um, Not at all. And I, 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 I mean, it was very much No, no, I don't. I, I I just can't put it any other way, really. No, I have. I mean, it's not like I've despised women or anything at all. Um, Happily being one, I, um, I think it was more probably over the last decade. Just thinking, we are not going to get anywhere in leadership and in our playing our part in the Great Commission, both in the church and in society, unless we give the, as unless we pay attention. Um, to the fact that women um, aren't often given the tools or the access or the environments in which their leadership can thrive. Um, and so I think, I mean, it's, it's weird because of, the, I think there are a number of cultures in my mind when I think about women as well. There is growing up in amongst, the, in a culture of Nigerian women, very strong women, growing up in England where you saw, where it's an introverted culture, but you saw women at the highest p- and roles of leadership. So it was very normal and then spending a lot of my life here in the States raising daughters and seeing, asking questions, hearing at large in culture and society questions asked that I'm like, are we, are, I, I'm sorry, are we, are we asking these questions now? Why are we still asking these questions um, yeah. about women in politics, about all these sorts of things that I just didn't realize were still questions to ask. Um, and, and so seeing that so many of our views are contextual um, mm-hmm. and defined by that, but I I think my, it's funny when you describe because i read the question i thought is it love or is it just sheer frustration that people you um, <laughs> do? do you know what i mean is it i, yeah. think, I guess that is love and it <laughs> i i i'm i'm just i i used to hear conversations where people would be like oh we'd love to see women have more opportunity, but where are the women and i'm like oh gosh i can't i can't have these conversations anymore yeah. I, I can't keep on with the neglect, and the laziness, and the, or the, the powerlessness, which doesn't have to be, and with us not recognizing that women are made in the image of God. And as such, there are, of course, there's gifting, of course, there's calling, of course, there's um, talent, of course, there's there's mission and vision and dreams and strategy and all of the other things. Yeah. In, in myriad ways, not fitting into a mold either in a range of ways. So that's a very long winded winded way of saying no, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: but maybe. And I love how God's like, I'm going to make you frustrated about this so that then you will help me carry out, you know, the vision and changing the narrative for me. I don't think it was so much a frustration of, women not being seen a certain way, but it was more a fear of my past experiences with women that had been cruel or hurtful, or like, why would I want to go after these people that don't seem to be for me, you know, and God really had to change my heart in that. And I think I've become someone who used to run away from women. Like truly, when I became the campus director for our second campus, I was like, Hey, you can all come here. Like, I'm mostly going to talk to the guys because you guys are mean, but you're all welcome. <laughs> and God totally just had to change my heart. And now I just have such a heart for mm-hmm. changing that, you know, changing that narrative and trying to kill that mean girl vibe. You know, I also have two daughters and I feel like it doesn't have to be this way.
2: Well, and I, I think for me as well, I, I've come to ask other questions about that in terms of why. what, What is the, why would someone feel the, but, why would someone feel the need to be mean why would for someone like in in ministry context feel the feel the need to feel threatened and is it a symptom rather than a cause do you know what i mean sure. is it is, yeah. it is it the effect of something um and i and i've realized that for so many women so many and christian women and but beyond that as well that whether it's in ministry or whether it's in the workplace their leadership opportunities are a bit like a game of musical chairs Mm-hmm. And um a bit like a game of musical chairs where um there are so many seats and so many people um yeah. and the dark and you've got to do the dance and then at suddenly moments you've got to take your spot or you're left out. Right. And and when you're and it's a game which is set up with created scarcity. The scarcity yes. is baked into the game. It it's baked into the game that there is not enough for you. There's not enough. Otherwise there's no, do you know what I mean? There's no fun. Um, right. and, and that's fun when it's musical chain chairs, it's not fun when it's your calling your career and all of you have bills to pay. And right. um, are trying to, and are simply trying to be faithful to the thing that God has called you to do. So I think what, what my observation would be is that, um, you find these women who are uh, who are like longing, for, who are as gifted as anybody else, as talented as anybody else, who are and not just odd, but like lots and lots and lots and lots of gifted, called cool women who are like, I've been reading the Bible, I've been training, I've been doing my development. I just want to do what God's asking me to do. And then they see this, they they see, okay, well here's the here's the game of musical chairs that I have to do, and and everybody's running around, and so that sister is is inevitably a threat because right because the, the the environment you've been put into is one of musical chairs right and instead of us and instead of us looking and thinking oh my gosh um and, and oh my gosh um I need what's wrong with this situation well like I need to be faster I need to be better I need to be quicker I need to be more connected I need that person to hold a seat for me I need that person to hold a seat to me rather than saying why are there' so few chairs yes what's wrong with this table why
1: are we playing so this game?
2: Chairs? And why is it that the best we can do is burn ourselves out and exhaust ourselves trying to get the few chairs or the crumbs underneath the table? Is that what I'm worth? Is that what my sister's worth? And it's no wonder then when you've been doing that for a while, why you get a little bit mean. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think in, in the musical chairs game too, you're encouraged to like pull the chair out from under someone. Exactly. So all of delay. that is
2: set up. Mm. What's up? And to knock them out of the way, you're, you're encouraged to push somebody out of the way because it's about you winning your spot. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of a, a table, like, you know, just a never-ending table and we'll just keep bringing up chairs instead. Mm. We're making, I feel like we're making progress in this and maybe it's because I'm still, I'm newer to women and leadership and, you know, God's really changed my heart and my mind. But I feel like I can see a change, a shift may be beginning to happen, uh, even on social yeah. media, of women truly meaning it and coming together. To support each other and encourage each other.
2: No, I agree. I think, and I think there is this growing awareness that this is a battle that is won every generation. Do you know what I mean? It's not a one-time thing. it It's sure. not one-time. Let's do this. This is a let's be this. Let this be a lifestyle of encouragement, a lifestyle mm-hmm. of cheering other people, a lifestyle of creating opportunity, because that changes the culture and it continues to create opportunities. And I think seeing that kind of shift is a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. And maybe our daughters can learn this earlier in life instead of me in my thirties going, oh, okay, we can do this differently. Maybe they can learn it earlier and the next generation will have, you know, a better go at it.
2: I think so. And I think if we keep doing it for as long as we have breath, do you know what I mean? In whatever context we find ourselves in, then like you say, our kids see this as it becomes a normalized thing rather than, do you know what I mean? If it becomes normal, then the, then the cha- then the musical chairs thing gets, gets to get relegated and pushed to the abnormal.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this in the, if we don't want to be pulling chairs out from under each other, but we want to live into the gifts that God's given us. If there are, I know there are women listening. There are people listening that feel like they have gifts and they can't get noticed or they can't get started and God wants to use them. How do they start? What do they do?
2: Um, Oh, where do they start? Where do I, I mean, it would depend on what your what the thing you feel called to do, to be honest, but okay. I think there are, there are a number of things. Does anybody know what you're called to do? Does anybody know? Like, um, Is there training and development? And are you in communities and contexts where people hear what you're about? Because, Or are we waiting to be discovered? Sure. Um, And sometimes we wait to be discovered because somehow our thinking on calling has got a touch of Disney and a touch of American Idol in it. Um, Okay. Well, we hope that we get picked because it's so tough tough and it's so isolating. And maybe that will validate the self-doubt that we have if someone chooses Mm -hmm. us. And, and maybe it doesn't seem as, you know, we, we hide our gifts and call it humility way too often. So yes, maybe preach. we would, so I understand how we get there, but people can't read our minds. And so, so I know it's a real basic question, but does anybody know that you want to preach?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Does
2: know that you want to write? Does anybody know? And um, do the people in you? Do your friends know? Do your has any? Have you asked anybody about what would be the best way to go about it in my context, in my community, in my denomination, in my environment? Yeah. Um, Have you got any? uh, Do you have any peers where together you are brainstorming and um, thrashing stuff out? Are you Are you connecting with people outside of your sphere? Sometimes you might like if you're thinking of speaking. Are there and let's say in church context, if you're speaking in church context, yes, you may um, talk to your talk to your leaders and found out: are there smaller environments where you can start through the bigger ones? Are there denominations in your community or denomination that where you're part of where where other churches need pulp, what some denominations call pulpit supply because uh, um, they are under-sourced and under-resourced? Are mm. there ministries that need it midweek? Are you available? And do people know that you're available? And if you are somebody who wants somebody to come and help you out in your ministry department or whatever, are you letting anybody know there's an opportunity available? (laughs) It's, some of those things are are key things. Then, are there environments where you can go and train and develop your skill set? You know, yeah. like the writers often go to writers' conferences. Why? Because mm-hmm. it means to connect, as it means to develop, as mean means to skill. Um, and so, isolation is one of the biggest challenges for um, women leaders in particular. And so, how do you stay connected with others so that you are continually growing? Um, because and. Because I mean, to be blunt and practical, you do want people to be able to recommend you, but they can't recommend somebody they don't know. Sure. Or or at least it's a lot harder to. It's not that it never happens. It's just, it's way rarer than the, I've seen this person, I've walked alongside this person. Of course I recommend them. Right,
1: right. Yeah, I love that you use American Idol as the example because I think it is easy to sit back. I think there's part of all of us that's like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be, I am going to be picked, but we have to actually do something. And I think even in the Christian realm, sometimes we get stuck on that even more because it's like, Oh, well, if God wants this for me, he's just going to make it happen. He's just going to open the doors. Yeah. Well, I mean, we yeah. got to get up and walk.
2: We got to open the door. We have. And I think we, and I, and again, we have to ask ourselves: is that fear, though? Is that fear speaking? Mm. Is that sometimes we've, pseudo, we've, we've spiritualized our fears and our insecurities and that's, I get it. I get it. I definitely have done that on many an occasion, um, because I was frightened because I don't want anybody to sit me down and tell me that I can't speak because I'm a woman or I can't leave because I'm doing or whatever reasons that would have happened or people saying I'm too much or not enough. And so I get why those things take place. But it's just that it's really rare that it works that way. Nobody came up and asked me. They just didn't. Yeah, was not I was not picked out. Um, Now, now at later stage in my in my life and call and stuff. Now there are there are people who reach out to my team and things like that. But that was not how it began. Sure was not how it began at all. And, and I do think, and I'm I'm trying to work out how to say this without sounding rude and I'm not sure I'm going to do that. So forgive me. But I think sometimes we project an Instagram version of calling into, and, and, and it's something I try and I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I do this well and I certainly don't do this perfectly. Well, I don't want to give people an impression that somehow God, yes, God, God raised me up. Sure. sure. God created opportunities, but let me tell you, there were a lot of people he did it through. There were a lot of people he did it through. He did it through my pastor who, when I was at an event and I said, I felt called to this. He said, okay, this is what we're going to do about it. He did this through a mentor who was like, okay, these are the things in your lifestyle. You might want to get sorted. He did this through my church pastor. Do you know what I mean? There were lots of people. Yeah. And, And the shorthand is God did it. The longhand is the story of faithful people and a few disruptors and saboteurs along the way who helped or hindered the journey. And Mm -hmm. so when you read God did it, don't assume that means that person did nothing. Sure.
1: And I think you mentioned character too. A lot of us go, or a lot of people go, okay, well, God's gonna do the thing. He's given me the skill. Well, yes, but also character. Mm. Do you need to fight pride or insecurities or be a little more humble in situations? And it is all along the way yeah. More than just the craft, whatever yeah. that skill is. I think too, for a long time for me, just in still figuring out exactly what God wants me to do, but it was easier to have the dream than to actually put action because then I had to face the fear of failure. It was easier for me to sit back and go, oh, one day yeah. I could do this and I would be amazing. But instead I'm going to sit here in mm-hmm. my fear because I can't actually fail if I'd never take a step, you know?
2: That's so. That's so good. I mean, how many times would the world be changed, changed if we actually did the dreams that we had? Do you know I mean how yeah. many dreams are are um, kind of sh- shattered on the
1: unfulfilled? Floor? Yeah,
2: your dreams. Businesses not set up. Churches not planted. Dreams, songs not written. All of that stuff because they just got locked in here and, and they could never get past that fear of failure. Yeah.
1: And I, I love your books because you speak to that so often. And I think that you really help women to see Mm -hmm. where they are stuck in that and and to pull them out. And one of your, uh, and more than enchanting, Mm -hmm. you introduced me to the term azer. And I, I don't think I'd ever heard it before. I am someone that, you know, people would not call me quiet or submissive or say that I quote fit the ministry box. And I felt super seen when I learned this term because I feel like I am half super girly and glitter and girl's girl, but then I'm half like badass. I don't know how else to say it, but I'm half this like powerful badass. And I didn't know how these two things could fit together until I learned about this term. So unpack that for us a little bit.
2: Yeah, um, um, we see the word first appear in Genesis 2, and you know, we, there are two creation narratives, aren't there? Um, where The first one where we see humanity is made in God's image and everything's good, wonderful, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he commissions men and women um, to rule the earth, to do it, do you know what I mean? Kind of take responsibility, represent him in the world. Mm-hmm. And then we, in the next creation account, we see um, God talk to the man and say it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, therefore, I'll create a, a helper suitable for him, and it that has been the joy and the heartbreak of women throughout the ages. Because, mm, great, right. what does that mean? And for others, for some, it's like you know that's great. That's what I want to be, and that's how I want to. That's and and not from a place of insecurity, fear, or uh, this is just how I'm they like. really live into it. Yeah, and uh, and because no one's got a problem with serving um, somebody else. And for others, it's like okay, but. Uh, and, and some people have been bludgeoned with that as a, if you have any ambitions, if you have any dreams, if you have any goals, there's something wrong with you because this yes. is what it's supposed to be. And we call it a helpmate or a help meet to make it sound more spiritual and all that kind of stuff. And it's an Anglo-ca- that's an Anglo-Saxon word. The word itself, um, is asa. And, um, and when you're not sure of what a word means in the Bible, it's good to see where else it pops up in the Bible. I don't I mean how it's represented in, 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 scripture and stuff. Context. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the word "azer" is a combination of a couple of words meaning to rescue and to sh- um, to be strong and to save, which in itself is "let the revolution begin," because yes. for so many people. And again, depending on culture and context, depending on culture and cult- context, some w- some women have been told that it's that strength isn't feminine, mm-hmm. that strength that to be strong that and have therefore emphasized their own fragility. Um, emphasized their not knowing the amount of time we have said I don't know in a meeting in a in a conversation in our families at a family dinner at an event in the workplace and we did know but we self sabotaged yeah. rather than be seen as too much yeah you know rather than to be, because what will people think well who will people who do I think I am who do they say do you know what I don't mean all of that kind of stuff yeah but the word is it means just rescuing to to um, save and to be strong um, most of the time, it, it, um, it, it appears like, how many times? About 21 times in the Bible. There are now about a hundred plus references to this word uh, or to the root of this word. Um, 21 times where it appears like you've seen Genesis, um, two, two of them referring to the woman. Um, I think one referring to military aid, uh, but 16 out of those 21 times is when God is delivering his people from his enemies. Mm-hmm. I look to the hills, where does my help come from? Um, Kind of thing that, and, but it's directly that, and it's often associated with strength and power, um, often military associations. So the A's is a warrior. And suddenly as, because who we, you know, when, when we hear how God defines us, knowing we're made in his image and therefore we respond to him and what he represents and we see what he does and we copy that, and we see that he's an Azer, and we copy that, suddenly it's not as fragile anymore, necessarily. Um, The word suitable in the Hebrew is kenegdo, and and it can mean equal to, or corresponding to. Um, And and I think again, it speaks, I think that liberates those of us who are like, it sounded like my purpose was to be married. Yeah. Um, It sounded like I couldn't come into my fullness unless I was married or a mother. Well, we know that's mm-hmm. not everybody's story. And right. including Jesus's, can we just be honest about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Including to the one who we pattern our very lives after, who we say is the ultimate example of humanity, not married, not a parent. And right. yet we have bludgeoned people for generations. The shame, the the insecurity, the fear, the disappointment we've projected on men and women
1: mm-hmm. for
2: not being married and not being parents is, is a disgrace, really. I mean, just that, you know, and then and then spiritualized it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be re- and and then not giving them leadership opportunities because they're not married. I'm like, well, Jesus. Uh huh. Hold on a sec. you know what I mean? Like, Weird. Turns out. And we do it to
1: both sides. We do oh, it yeah. to people that are single. We're like, okay, well, when are you gonna not be single? And then when you get married and have kids, then it's like, well, your career was fun, right? But now I guess you're gonna put that down because now you're a mom, which is your number one main calling.
2: And the thing is, um, and oh, the other thing about the word is it's a verb as well as a noun meaning to protect, surround, defend and cherish, which I found a really powerful, um, beautiful encompassing of the many facets of humanity in terms of this protecting and this defense, but this cherishing and this intimacy and this vulnerability, all that. So it's not some caricature It's Mm. not some projection. It's not some robotic, aggressive. And it's funny. We only have to defend it when we're referring to to women. When men are seen as strong, it's seen as a healthy thing. Some more often than um, than than women. I mean, when someone's messed up, it's messed up regardless of gender. Do you know? know (laughs) Uh, Let's let's be clear um, on that as well. But but I think what. I, I, I think it's important because so many labels, we've been labeled by so many things and we label people by so many things. And what would it look like if you simply labeled yourself Asa? Oh,
0: that's
1: good. What and live you- into the fullness of yeah. who God is and who he made us. I love that so much because not only did it help me to marry the, the two sides of myself that seemed to not fit together at all, but even just to remember in general, God is complicated. And so we are complicated. He is not this one thing. And so if we were made in God's image, we are also not one thing.
2: We can have layers. and Totally. And we've got to remember, we bring our culture. When we think of the word helper, we have a whole system um, in our minds where we're like someone who helps and someone who's a backup plan. They're not as able as somebody else. They are are assisting somebody else. Then therefore, they're not really thinking for themselves. They're all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. We can, not always, but we can bring that. Whereas that word in itself was someone who had the resources to help. Yeah. Which is a very different way of looking at someone who's helping. Yeah. It's just different. I love
1: it. I love it. It's so funny too. I think I'm an, I'm an Enneagram fan and there's nothing, there is nothing at all wrong with Enneagram 2s. I love an Enneagram 2. That's, mm. you know, the helper and I have, mm. they're wonderful. They do a great job. But I also, I tested... Uh, More than once as a two, I am very, very much an Enneagram three (laughs) through and through. And as I dug into it, it was, I found that um, Christian women, especially often mistyped as twos because we, it's so built into our culture that we think we're supposed to be this helper. So we answer and we perform and we do the things thinking, okay, well, I'm going to kind of put myself in there, but I want to make sure that I still stay within this framework of what we think a helper is, Yes. Yeah. and it can be so much more.
2: It's fascinating, um, fascinating is it? Acceptable,
1: yeah. So you you have really taken this term Azer to heart. You started the Azer Collective, yes. Tell me about
2: that. Well, it was the fruit of a number of things. Um, of years of being at events and leadership events and being the only woman in the lineup, or one of few women in the lineup, and the only black woman in the lineup, or and not speaking yeah. a women of color in, in the lineups and things, and thinking it's not that they don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not mm-hmm. that the awesome women leaders don't exist. And then, or also being at events and meeting women in restrooms and having conversations about leadership, and thinking, you know what, you are worth more than a five minute chat in the bathroom. Yes. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to have those whenever. But do you see what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, oh. I do. And it's a bummer when you are having these conversations and other people are joining in, not not because they're trying to be nosy, but like this is oh, so this is your chance to get mentored when we're all in when in a bathroom break <laughs> <laughs> for women for women leaders who are raising children or handling not having children who are who are rising up the corporate ladder, who are therapists, school teachers, educators, pastors, that's the best we can do. i <laughs> just like- Yeah, we can do better. We can do better this is, not, this. this. is not enough. And is it any wonder that so many women leaders are burnt out and exhausted and lonely? So um, I wanted to set aside a space where women leaders could come and um, that, that um, women who were Christians, who were, but new leadership was an, a part of their life and was part of their leadership experience could be and, they, and whether they were in the corporate space, in the military, in education, or in churches, and come and be together. Because I've noticed, even in the most um, celebrating of women leaders spaces that I've been in, in those churches, I've still seen those women edit themselves in the presence of men. Mm. Not because the, the, those male leaders are editing them, but it, it, sadly, that's not the only voice they've heard in their life. Do you know right. <laughs> I mean, right. And often, and they often don't get to see many other women leaders and have spaces to connect. So it's the, it's a deliberately small event. Um, because I, I, I wanted to not make it a conference. I, um, it's not that I'm anti doing conferences necessarily. It's just that it was set aside for a slightly different purpose. Um, okay. I wanted these women leaders to be in be with maybe 80 other women leaders so that they could get to know names, so that they could network, so that they could Love learn it. how to network, so that they could make friends with other leadership peers who one day might be a sponsor for them, one day might be a mentor where they could breathe out together and really thrash out what it means to to fully live into your leadership with someone who's like you and who thinks like you, but other leaders who aren't like you and who don't think like you. But have Who you them. can still also learn from. Yeah, who you can absolutely learn, learn from because what are you learning if it's just the repetition of something you already know? i I've sure. anyway, that's another one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what, I mean? <laughs> what is this? Um, but, and so they are two day leadership intensives here in Minneapolis where I'm based now. And, um, and we, we, we did them, we've done them for a few years and then I've paused, paused for a bit. And at the end yeah. of 2020, um, I just, I, you know, and I watched how the pandemic and all the data on the pandemic showed that how the pandemic was sometimes nicknamed the she session because of the disproportionate impact it was having on women's jobs. Um, and particularly, women oh, okay. uh, of color or black indigenous and, and women of color and the disproportionate impact on their, um, you know, su- there are studies by the World Economic Forum who are suggesting that when it comes to equality that women ha- may have been set back about a generation. Um, but because of, you know, this, this particular um, pandemic impacted industries which are highly populated by women, um, and as well as the whole thing of being at home and um, often even in the most, to use the label egalitarian households, the, the lion's share of the domestic work or the household management or the or the now raising kids whilst educating kids would often fall to the woman in the household. Yeah. And, and so that's a whole year to 18 months, depending on where you w- are in the world or longer of you having to navigate all of these things all at once. And for women who were single often being the primary caregiver or connector of the other extended family units because they were deemed as free and available. I was just gonna say, they quote unquote, had the time. Had the time, which is the greatest misnomer, if ever. Um, (laughs) And and so I think by the end of the year, I thought, you know, there's a lot I don't know about how the world will emerge, but I know it's right to do this again, that we need to gather um, women leaders to have a couple of days and some time and some space to, to reboot and to reconnect with other leaders. because And, and again, um, one, oh, now this is a, a U.S. statistic, but the um, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics said that 85% of jobs are found by networking. Wow. 85%. That means you're working twice as good, isn't necessarily doing anything. You hoping that you're, again, your American Idol approach to your yes. progress and everything isn't, but... But who you know does matter. So if you feel that you can't do that, or if it feels weird to do that, or if it feels like you don't even know where to connect with somebody, it will be ultimately hampering you. It, it yeah. will and and yes, like I said, we know God is raising you up, but He's raising you up through lots of people that you're not meeting. <laughs> yeah. Or you're not telling you feel called to do things with. So I think the ASA Collective initially came out of this, how can I get women in the room? Because I know once they're in the room together, they'll take care of themselves and they'll take care of each other. And, I love that. and so there's a little bit of, te- there's some teaching stuff, but then there's some small group stuff, there's some training things. And it's, so it's part inspiration, but part training, part tools, lots of being together, um, lots of engaging with one another so that they can go back and get on with what they're called to do, ultimately. Yeah. Get on with what they're called to do. So, so yeah.
1: who I know that it's a leadership um, yeah. intensive. What does that mean? Does that mean like only CEOs or pastors or like what do you consider a leader? Like how does how does somebody listening know? Okay, that's for me, or maybe this one's not.
0: Okay,
2: I would. I um, when um, on the podcast we do, we say leadership is like everyone has influence. That's John Maxwell's um, statement. Mm-hmm. And leadership is when you're intentional with your influence. So I would say if you are in it, it's definitely for you if you're a pastor, it's definitely for you if you're associate pastor, if you are leading, you're a small group leader. But if you are in transition, we had a number of women who were in transition job-wise and were like, I'm not sure what my next step is, but I know I'm called a lead. And that what I would say is if you had, um, I knew a number of women who were stay at home mothers who came, okay, um, because they were leaders in their community. Absolutely. Because not again, not all leadership is positional, correct? Sadly, yeah. not every not all leadership comes with a pay packet. There were these women who were like champion volunteers and who had jobs that they were coming because their leadership capacity in church was taking care of 50, 60, 70 people, Do you, know, you know? Yeah, um, and uh, and I think imposter syndrome is strong, um, it's a strong vibe. yes. And so I think if you, but if you, if you wouldn't call, if you said, you know what, I'm not a leader, um, I'm not, a, and, and it's because you think I'm not a leader, then no, then it won't be. But if you're like, I don't, I, uh, I'm i wrestling with it, or I am, but I, I, I'm bruised and I'm wounded and I'm not working. Or I don't know how, yeah. whatever. Or I feel called cool to this stuff, but I don't, then come. And Excellent. and if you call, but but I would say come expecting to be stretched to lead. I mean, cons- and the reason why I don't call it a, is a conference is because it's more like a boot camp. Okay. I'm, because you, I'm I'm assuming that anybody who's in the room wants to grow in their leadership. Okay. They want to be more effective in their leadership. So we talk about things like negotiating pay. We talk about things like how you're going to deal with the sexual harassment culture in your workplace. We do. You know what I mean, we talk about how yeah. you anchor your theology in your, in your team, in your organizational stuff, do you know what I mean? With your, in your leading. So, um, and, 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 so I would, and that's again why it's small, um, but I would say, I would say you're welcome to show up as a leader there. Yeah. You're welcome to show up as a leader there. So, and and so again, a number of creatives, cause you know, a number of creators often are leading in spaces where they can't count the followers. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because yes. You are creating art and you're um, an entrepreneur or you are a writer, come. Because you're, you're being intentional with your influence.
1: I love that. Intentional with your influence. That's so great. So you mentioned, I'm gonna take a tiny bit of a turn here. And at first I was like, oh, this is just a personal, I'm going to have to edit this out because this is just a personal question, but then you did mention isolation. And so I just want you to speak to this. Sometimes it feels like mm-hmm. in, we have to make a choice between leadership and relationship, or it feels like there's a trade-off where we only get one, how, like it, number one, is this just, <laughs> this is just me. And if not, how do we find real relationship mm-hmm. as a leader? Am I making sense?
2: Yeah, 100%. Okay. 100% making sense. I think it is a deception that the enemy is really good at tooling us with. And I and I call it deception because I think it's got enough truth in it to mess you up. There is something very isolating about leadership. Yeah. Um, there is something very vulnerable about leadership because you feel like people are looking at you and you as though you have all the answers and you don't, um, and stuff. They're, but that does not mean you shouldn't have friends. Jesus yeah. had friends, and friends who, I mean, he had people who he could cry with, who he who he wept with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, if you don't have people who you can weep with, then you are too isolated, yeah. You are too, I mean, it's just because. At, you cannot, if there is a pedestal that has put you there, get yourself off the pedestal and burn the pedestal. Cause it's not good for you. It's not a yeah. healthy lead and it will burn you out because isolation and burnout are bedfellows. <laughs> because there's, yeah. no one to, there's no one to help you have fun. There's no one to help you regulate your tendencies. There's no one to process things with. There's no one to cry with, laugh with, watch TV with. Um, but it can be harder work depending on all the priorities. You know, sure. in terms of, and it, so I don't, I have friends, but I think that's probably why I've made a thing of in my working world, I am gonna be someone who makes friends with the people I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's why there are, I, I try and have a realistic picture of how many friends can I have in each season of my life? What I had capacity for as a single woman, what I had capacity for when my kids were smaller, what I have capacity sure. for kids being older, It change. it does change. The issue is if there's no one, or if right. this nostalgic relationship that you're not really real with anymore. Um, but I think, but men and women isolation has never done leaders any good. When we hear the stories of leaders who have fallen from grace, which is a really weird phrase, but if we heard it, it's often that people who people who didn't have access to their lives to call them out on their junk. Yeah or to be there in their vulnerable, or, or when we hear of tragedies of leaders who were isolated and alone and, do you know what I mean? It's like, where were your people? And now now there are certain circumstances where people are dealing with conditions whereby um, that actually wasn't the dynamic. Do you know sure. what i mean? But um, But we need friends, we need people. Um, two are better than one, the Bible says, and the threefold yeah. isn't easily broken. You need people. And the Bible says, pity the person who has no one to pick them up. And so I think what that will mean in practice because there is the kind of, there's the like, okay, I've got to do it. And then it's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, here's another thing I'm not doing. Here's another thing. It's another thing. I am failing as a leader. (laughs) Uh, I often would start the year and say, Lord, who am I to invest in? Who am I to make friends with? Um, And, uh, and, the hard thing is with relationships is you can't build them without vulnerability Mm -hmm. you can't build them without taking a risk you can't build them without the risk of not everybody not people you know you're not for everyone (laughs) right oh I know that (laughs) (laughs) you are not ice cream you are not for everyone do you know what I mean um and and so therefore not everybody will connect with you but some will and and I guess I want to ask us as leaders for all of us as leaders do can we slow our lives down enough to make room for one or two can we slow our life down and so that's one that's one question I would ask the other question I would ask us as leaders is have you been wounded to the extent that it's just easier not to bother Mm. because I think that can make sometimes the busyness has been healing
1: oh sure you know yeah, I mean, the so. busyness gives you a, an excuse and a reason not to have time or not to invest.
2: And if we, you know, if we've had relations, we've had working relationships and that person was jealous of us or stole our ideas or messed with us or put us put down in every opportunity. And so we've pulled back or, you know, you feel like you've been used because you're a leader and other people want access to somebody else, or um, you just wanted to hang and they wanted to just talk about work stuff and all or, or your role. And it was hard. So I'm not, it can be hard to navigate your way, but I think we just have to keep on staying open and ask in each chapter of our life. Um, I, I, I mean, this is, for me, the relationship piece is the kind of thing, this is the pray all night thing for, this is the praying fast over thing. This is the, you know, you see Jesus in, I think it's in Mark's gospel, go up, uh, up the mountain and pray all night about who he's going to invest in. Uh, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Who yeah. are the closest to his life. And, and so it's, I think it's a huge one for us. It's, and and you can see why these, com- like the musical chairs thing plays into it, the battle, all of these things play into it. Um, but I think it's something we've got to keep on working at because the benefits outweigh the cost of the vulnerability exponentially. Sure. I think it's a, it's a
1: maybe it's a niche thing, especially to be a leader in ministry where we care for people and build relationships and have you know authenticity and vulnerability and this connection and then to have someone leave and go, okay, well now I'm going to another church and all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. not even the loss of that, but whoa, 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 hold on. Like I just I just lost my actual people and my friends, you yeah. know. Um so which where I think that's where it can be yeah. extremely difficult to mm-hmm. feel like you just keep opening up over and over and over again. Um, although I feel like that's what God has called me to, I feel like God consistently tells me like, I have given you this heart and Mm -hmm. I'm going to repair it and you're going to be fine. And this is how I've wired you. But I love that you said, this is the thing to pray all night for, because that gives me a freedom to invest in myself truly to say, I also need friends outside of,
2: I was going to say that. You know, yeah. I think it's I think it's a really healthy thing to have if you know that there is this transient community or um that you enjoy and love but actually maybe you know there are some of us who live in those kind of cities that are commuter belts that yes, you know very much for someone to live move on for that family to move on their career they're there for three years it just Correct. is, what it is. It's not yeah. um and and you hate it and you, and but Mm, or you live in those neighborhoods that somehow when they live on the other side of that freeway that relationship is dead and you don't know why yeah. 25 miles but it's just a fact we don't know none yeah. of us planned it it is what it is <laughs> and so i think it is worth acknowledging like taking an audit of what your situation is and then and then making sure that you have some people in your life to the best of your knowledge who aren't going anywhere yeah
1: and and going it's okay yeah, to invest in me, you know, I hear prayer and fasting and I'm like, oh yeah, all day for the church, for the movement, for other people. Well, no, I can actually, like, it's, it, it's not superficial to go, Hey God, like, actually, I just need friends too. And this is still worth the same kind of.
2: Yeah. I, ask. I Absolutely. I remember I was a, a mentor years ago, about a decade ago. I, I was reading this book and I think it was a John Maxwell book. And they said, go and ask your mentors, what thing you would hope for them or what? And, and she said, Oh, they would hope for you. And and she said, I hope. She goes, the one thing I pray for for you is a friend. I hope you have friends. Mm. And she said, because, and I just thought, okay, well, thank you for this really low on my bar <laughs> offer. I'm yeah. we're done with great, with, but fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and her thing was this: she said, she said, the thing is as you grow in your leadership, and I think this is true for all of us, whatever our leadership space is, um, as you grow in your leadership, and as you get more opportunities and more influence and things, it may it will begin to, it, it will begin to feel like you're more and more disconnected from the spaces that you've invested in and invested in and invested in, and um and and it may feel like you you may end up tr- not being sure whether people want to connect with you for you, or connect with you for the work. And she said, and honestly, it's fine that they're connecting you for the work because it's now your job. Do you know? What I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Your, it's your role. That's fine, but but for you you need a friend yes. where you don't actually have to worry about that. Think about that anymore. It's a place where you, there's no qualifying, no quantifying um, yourself um, before you lead. And I, and I I mean, it's a worthy prayer for every leader.
1: Yeah. And worth and worth giving the time and energy to just as we're developing skills and everything else feels yep. like going back into the dating world a little bit, but it's worth, it's worth it. A little
2: bit, yeah. And, it, and you're right, it is. I mean, we we spend money on all of the skills that we've got to develop, but it's not the skills that cause us to fall apart, is it? Right. It's the right. loneliness.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that relational piece. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I want to ask you one more question. This has oh. been so lovely. Um, as part of, you know, wanting to empower women and just kind of change the narrative and all of these things, I want to know what your favorite thing is about yourself?
2: My favorite thing, I, I oh, I've got a few.
1: Okay. Oh, good.
2: Um, there, there is a, there's a quote that I stumble upon again and again and again, um, which will sound really dark and twisted. And I don't mean it to, but I have to qualify <laughs> it and just say, for those of you who are Enneagram speak, I'm an eight. And let that, be. <laughs> um, but there is this, phrase which is i must have seen it on pinterest or something so throw me to the wolves and i'll come back leading the pack okay and, and i think what i like is um i'm still here and mm. there are lots of reasons not to be um there are lots of reasons um systemically culturally experientially um, that will say, okay, we're done. And I would say the thing I like is that I keep somehow, even though God and I keep wrestling this thing to the ground, I keep in letting him redeem the story. Mm. Um, and, um, and it doesn't mean I do the same thing again, because I'm not stupid. But, <laughs> 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 but sometimes... Not every table you that you want access to is worth it. I'll, <laughs> there you go. Okay, right. Every table is worth saying it, but yeah, pass up some of those chairs. You know what I mean? It's like you know what? Just yeah. build your own table, build your own right. bar, and right. and that thing. But I, I think I like the fact that I'm that for as long as I have breath, I'll keep going into what he's inviting me into. I love that. Where another? That's yeah. I think that is my that's my favorite of the day.
1: Perfect. I love it. You made me my
2: multiple. love to target to
1: be the other. <laughs> well, I want to tell you my favorite thing about you. And that is that you always remind me that we're part of a bigger story. Um, all of your books, I've read them. I love them so much. I go back when I'm speaking, when I'm trying to encourage other women, because I've got all the highlights and notes. And I always go back and just see the, the names of the other women that you kind of reintroduce me to, you know even like Joanna and Susanna and Lydia, and not just the Marys and the Eves, you know, the big players. And when I look back at them, I remember we're like, we're all connected. And as we learn from those women in the future, there will be women that look back to us and that look back to our Mm -hmm. stories, no matter what size part we play and that we're all just part of this bigger thing. So that's the most inspiring thing. That's what keeps me going on the frustrating days. So Thank you. Thank you for that.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. May I say one other thing? I just remembered about the Ace Collective thing, a little offer that we're doing, which is um, for your listeners and any listeners, um, that there is a code that we've decided to do. I think it's just POD, P-O-D. Okay. POD. And it—and for those who want to come, we'll set, um, they will get, it, it discounts it. Fantastic. I just, I thought I need to remember that but I keep on forgetting. <laughs> Even, <laughs> my <laughs> team are like, cannot take this woman anywhere to forget <laughs> final parts of the information. Anyway.
1: That's it. We're going to get emails. Please add this to the episode notes because Joe forgot to
2: mention. <laughs> <laughs> Joe forgot to mention this. So we are here to just clean up. Clean up. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Where
1: can people find you? Where can they find out more about Azer Collective if they want to come?
2: yes um in terms of the social medias everything is at Joe saxton on the instagrams on I must get it be, start behaving with my LinkedIn and I've been terrible at it and I keep on looking and thinking oh and Twitter, <laughs> Facebook Instagram and my website and you'll find information about asa collective on my website there's a tab and it um it's at Joe saxton uh, um, no JoSaxton.com is the website see this is why my people are like golly oh like, <laughs> This is why we believe in teams. Um, yeah, josaxon.com is the website. At Joe Saxon is the social media, everything about coaching, Acer Collective, books, podcast, everything's on there.
1: Fantastic. Well, this has been so lovely. Thank you. I'm hoping to possibly see you at Acer Collective.
2: Yay, come, come when come. it happens.
1: I know, I know. I'm gonna really try to work this out. And maybe we'll get to meet some of the other listeners
2: too. That would be super. Yeah, fun. that'd be fab. All of you come. Let us play. It'll be great.
1: That's right. It'll be great. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you. So, Vinny, good news. Well, good news and bad news. The good news is I am actually planning to go to the Azer Collective and be there with Joe and maybe some of our listeners. The bad news is I'm not. I'm not taking you with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow! I'm I put know. it out there like that. Jeez. I'm so what sorry. What did I do? So to you? Sorry. <laughs>
1: you got to be here, man. You got to be here to host the next season. Yeah. You and Naim will be back in the next season of the podcast. All then. right.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, Kristen, this was great. I, I love this season. I hope everybody else is enjoying it as much as I am. And um, we have a few more episodes, right? Uh, still for the Kristen takeover. So uh, if you guys are enjoying this, make sure that you like, share, subscribe to the podcast, uh, you know, tag us on social media, tag Kristen. You can even tag Naeem, let him know what's going on on his podcast because you know, he, we don't know where he's at right now. You know, he's just
1: <laughs> We don't know if he's listening in his own world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, but no, I'm, I'm sure he is. And, uh, he's your biggest fan. So, you know, your big yeah. brother's listening, but, That's um, right. That's right. but yeah. So anyways, definitely, uh, interact with us on there. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback and we'll be back for the next episode.
1: Awesome. See you guys next week. All
0: right. See you, Kristen.